Welcome to Between Two Barrels, a twice-weekly podcast recorded at Studio 66, presented by Tennessee Legend Distillery. Between Two Barrels is a show that highlights legends of all shapes and sizes from across the state of Tennessee. From the queen of country Dolly Parton to the elusive Tennessee Wildman. From our head distiller to our legendary staff and products. On this show, you will learn some terms of the alcohol industry, as well as learn some awesome recipes for food and cocktails alike. Join us as we journey through the volunteer state to bring you stories of legends that involve the beautiful state of Tennessee, from country music as well as rock and roll royalty, cryptids, distillery origins, carbonated beverage beginnings, and everything in between. This show truly highlights what makes a legend a Tennessee legend. What's up, legends, and welcome back to another episode of Between Two Barrels podcast from Studio 66, brought to you by Tennessee Legend Distillery, high atop the loft over the tasting room. I am your host, Opie, and of course, joined by the co-host, the manager of managers, the Reverend Steinwick himself, Belo. What's up, B? It's been a minute. A bit. A bit. Yes. Um... (laughs) Of course, we have missed out on a couple of episodes since what would have been our Halloween episode, the Bell Witch episode, which we got some really good feedback on that episode, uh, especially from our guest, Buford, Mm -hmm. from Hillbillies in the Holler. Um, And yeah, he really enjoyed the episode and wants to come back and hang out with us for another episode, but due to some of my forgetting about speaking of things of October and spirits and and things of the the nether realm I forgot about a specific power called phantom power Mm. uh, that whenever you're unhooking and hooking peripherals to a sound system uh, that has said power it's it's definitely in your best interest to either turn off completely at least disable that particular power going out to the peripherals because it can damage your equipment Therefore, we had to wait for a replacement sound mixer to come in to be able to continue bringing you all this legendary content. So we are now back up and running, and uh, we are into the month of Thanksgiving, and I guess this is the time of year to be thankful for things with Thanksgiving coming up. And of course, if it if it weren't for the the first registered distillery in America. You know, there there probably wouldn't be, you know, all a of Tennessee the other distilleries, distillery. <laughs> and of course, wouldn't be a Tennessee Legend Distillery. Uh, and of course, if you haven't figured it out by now, uh, I'm talking about Jack Daniels Distillery, mm-hmm. and and I guess that's where we're going to start for our month of things that we're thankful for in and about the state of Tennessee. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Jack Daniels, the name <coughs> that started it all. Fun facts, though, that you're going to hear in this episode as our uh, information gatherer, Brian, has found Jack Daniels was not even his name. And I can guarantee you that a lot of people do not know that. Yes, I, I for one, <laughs> did not know that. I, I am willing to bet you are not alone on this, Opie, um, because everybody knows Jack Daniels, old number seven, the mm-hmm. iconic square bottle, black label. 
That's what they think that the guy's name is. Uh, but that's not the case. Born Jasper Newton, Jack was just a nickname. Daniel. Um, Jasper. Not in, yes, not entirely known his exact birth date, but on the tombstone it does read that he was born in 1850, but definitely speculated that he was born uh, probably a little bit earlier. Descendant from Scotch-Irish, his grandparents were actually the ones who made the pilgrimage from the homeland over to the U.S. before what would be the Civil War, of course, and set down roots in the States. Later on, of course, uh, time passed. Jasper, being born, unfortunately did lose his mom uh, a few months afterwards, so not really able to know who mom was in any capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, Dad got remarried, didn't really have uh, a a good home life, a lot of headbutts, I guess you could say, Um, not really getting along with the stepmom. And it really didn't matter uh, because shortly afterwards, uh, his dad went off to fight in the Civil War and unfortunately died during said Civil War. Wow. So, um, orphaned at a very young age. Stepmom that he did not like. Yes. Um, And that's actually what led him initially down his path to becoming one of the. We'll just say one of the better businessmen. Um, mm. While he did have knowledge and did gain knowledge and probably did do some distilling himself, uh, some of you who know the story, the information that has come out in the last 10, 15 years uh, concerning the Jack Daniels distillery is that, of course, he really wasn't the guy behind everything. And that's some more information, some more stuff that we're going to get into during this episode of Between Two Barrels. Now, one of the fun things about the story of Jack Daniels is that whenever he did leave from home after, you know, mom passed away, dad remarried, situation where he wasn't, you know, really fond of his current home life. And like I said, his dad did ultimately wind up losing his life in the American Civil War at that time. Um, he decided to, to basically move away from home and was taking in, taken in by a Dan Call. Now, Dan mm-hmm. was a preacher. Okay. And not only was Dan a preacher, Dan was also a whiskey distiller. <laughs> so, back in the day, of course, during, you know, the, the American Revolution or Pre, even pre-revolutionary, uh, during American Revolution, post-revolutionary, uh, distillation was used for more so than just creating an alcohol to get drunk. Yeah. I mean, there were other functional purposes for alcohol, uh, preservation, things like that. Um, At the time, the, med- medication. <laughs> yeah, medication, uh, truth serum. I mean, you know, there was all kinds of stuff that, that distilled spirits were being used for. So it it wasn't uncommon for a clergy person to to also make spirits. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, you look in places across the world, and there's uh, uh, monasteries where yes. monks make wine. Yes, uh, nuns uh, making different types of liqueurs, uh, wines, stuff like that that are uh, vintages, uh, vineyards that are monitored by members of the clergy. So it's not uncommon for those two to be synonymous, um, but just not as much in American history. 
mainly because of that Puritan and, and Baptist kind of uh, direction that we headed right. shortly after becoming America. Yes, yes. He wound up going to live with Dan Call, preacher, distiller, preacher slash distiller. <laughs> Um, and like I said, to begin with, his congregation, you know, really didn't have any problems with him having, a, you know, a, a second job, moonlighting, doing some, some distilling. Um, but what the the story that, you know, come out within the last couple of decades, the last, you know, 15 years or so, and and they actually presented this with a, a specific line, a specific series for... Jack Daniels at this point, what we know as Jack Daniels today, um, is that even Call, Dan Call, wasn't really the one that was doing a lot of his own distilling, and a lot of the liquor that he was selling or distributing was from a slave who we now know as uh, Nathan or Uncle Nearest Green. Wow. And as I was going through and looking at all this stuff, and okay, yeah, and some of the information that you can get off of, you know, websites and stuff like that, mainly Wikipedia, uh, mm-hmm. several other outlets and stuff like that, is that they say that Green was known to specialize at that time in the Lincoln County process, which is a sugar maple charcoal uh, filtration system, which is what makes a Tennessee whiskey a Tennessee whiskey and sets it apart from other spirits that are, are made in the southeast. And, of course, one of the requirements for it to be a true Tennessee whiskey is that it does have to be filtered in this sugar maple charcoal. But the thought process, and, and some people even mention this in some of the videos and stuff like that that I watched, is that this is potentially something that had been brought over from Africa because African... This Lincoln County process. Or just the charcoal filtration. It didn't necessarily have to be sugar maple, but they were just using charcoal filtration to be able to filter their water, um, to be able to use it for preservation, to use it in their day-to-day lives. They were using charcoal more for... Or for more things than what, you know, uh, colonial Europe, England, America, uh, post-colonial at that time would be using charcoal for. Um, they were probably using it for purifying and storing things and actually using charcoal for medicine. Yes, well before it was thought of by, you know, outsiders and stuff like that. It's always perceived that that the the further you get away from what would be the heart, the sub-Saharan Africa, the the cradle of all life, um, that that people are supposed to be more intelligent, you know, have, you know, more smarts to them and stuff like that. But, you know, that that doesn't necessarily go hand in hand. Those aren't, you know, 100%. Yeah, it's not, that's know, not 100% accurate. It, it it just led me down to the, the fact of thinking that, you know, while this is something that has, has thought to have been a, an American, a, a locally grown process and tradition, its origins go farther back. And that's, and that's, you know, just alluding to that or just going ahead and, you know, that is what 
what really interested me in this part of the story uh, is that you know the the process how this had been done or you know they he just was like uh, Nathan Green nearest Uncle Nearest was mm-hmm. just like you know well my people have been doing this with this I wonder what it would do to alcohol and then so him being you know the the godfather or the actual father yeah. basically of yeah. you know what would be the full you know Lincoln County process so yeah to to further get into the story um it was a situation to where eventually after they had been working together you know uh Jasper Jack such an old name yeah had, would hang around with uh nearest and stuff like that and start learning the process figuring out how all this stuff was done um was you know learning the ropes learning the process but it wasn't a situation i think to where at that time he was learning it to be able to do it on his own because you learn later on that that nearest was hired as the first distiller for the Jack Daniels Corporation. And since then, a member of the Green family has been working at the Jack Daniels Distillery since then. That's awesome. But my thought process on this is the fact that because of the time that it was, even though this was getting in post-Civil War, whenever Dan Call's congregation really started having a problem with him being moonlighting as a distiller was that he was going to go ahead and sell it off because he didn't want to get away from the congregation. He still wanted to serve the Lord. That he actually sold the distillery to Jasper. And my thought process is that it probably would have gone to nearest. Yes. But they would not allow a black man at that point in time to own a business, especially in the South. Oh, yeah. So it was a situation to where Jasper, Jack, was the front man. He was the face of the company. He was the salesman. Okay. He was the... the the ringmaster, the, the the whatever snowman. yeah whatever analogy you want to use for it, yeah. to to be the face of what this African American had had of used some of work. his yeah of all of his work to Which, to be which able to, in that to sell. time, I, I would say that especially coming out of pre Civil War post Civil War, I bet you'd be hard pressed not to find more things. That, oh no, like uh, a slave owner or uh, a prominent white American was doing, whether it be a song that they produced or, for instance, this Jack Daniels, that actually didn't originate from their slave. Right. Because I can guarantee you, if you look at a lot of the history of American gospel songs, a lot of them derived from slave yeah so i bet there's a lot during that era that actually came from black americans and not actually colonizers 
Right. And I mean, and it was a situation to where uh, Green, uh, nearest Green, did decide to continue working with Dan Call after emancipation. Mm -hmm. So it was a situation, like I said, I feel like he probably would have sold it or given it to Nathan Green to be able to run, but society still at that time would not accept a prominent business like that being ran by an African-American. Not at that time. So do you want to take a guess at how much the, the... Business was sold to to Jasper for, and you think this is this is post Civil War, this okay, is post emancipation. Um, Jack Daniels Corporation. Know, I don't know big about. I'm not big on the inflation calculator, but I'm gonna say ten dollars that time. So you're in the the correct ballpark in terms of it being tens of dollars. Okay. A uh, little bit higher, closer to a hundo. Uh, okay. It was seventy-five bucks, which today would be closer to around between twelve and fifteen hundred dollars. Good lord! <laughs> Could you imagine being able to purchase the Jack Daniels Corporation? In a little over a hundred years, inflation has hundred and fifty years has done that much to what the dollar was. Yes. <sighs> Yes. So it it shows on the label, the product says established and registered in 1866, but looking at the actual records and stuff like that, the business did not get fully registered until 1875. Gotcha. Now, here's here's something to, to start thinking about. I'm going to read a little bit um, out of this Wikipedia excerpt, uh, but something that I want you to think about is... If the distillery itself did not get fully registered until 1875, you've got 25 years until it's 1900. Guess what happens in another 18 to 20 years? Prohibition. Huh. So the company was actually operating as a full-fledged distillery distributing alcohol for 40 years before the government before the government this is like you know what this is bad this is all bad and just a continuation of what he first had to deal with whenever acquiring the company because the people of Dan Call's congregation did not want to have their pastor also moonlighting as a distiller do you think they also maybe started changing their mind when they realized that a lot of it came from a black American? That's a good possibility. That's a very good possibility and something that I... Oh, no, it's because it's bad. It's because the Bible says, but truthfully, it's because we didn't know that you were partnered with a slave. Yeah. And and that's that's unfortunate that that that's how, how things come to be. Now, one of the main things about the the label in and of itself, other than the iconic black and white simple label, is the fact that it has old number seven on mm-hmm. it. That's probably one of the things that, even more so than the fact that his name is actually Jasper Newton yeah. instead of Jack. Jack is just a, a nickname. 
is Jasper that Newton's <laughs> would not sell us. Jasper as Newton's Jack. whiskey. Old number seven. Jasper Newton's. And and that's where that old number seven came from. And according to Daniel's biographer, the origin of the old number seven brand name was the number assigned to Daniel's distillery for government registration. That that's basically it. So they were doing this since literally during slash right after the Civil War. But when it came to registering with the government, they weren't the first to register. They were the seventh. They were the first registered one in the country. In the country. However, they were assigned the number seven. Seven. Yeah. Wow. He was forced to change the registration number when the federal government redrew the district, and he became the number 16 in District 5 instead of number 7 in District 4. However, he continued to use his original number as a brand name since the brand reputation had already been established. An entirely different explanation, however, is given in the 1967 book Jack Daniel's Legacy, which states the name was chosen in 1887 after a visit to a merchant trend in Tullahoma who had built a chain of seven stores. Tullahoma. So yeah, some interesting stuff about where the the old number seven actually wow. comes from. So uh, like some of our other stories, it's it's left up to the, the listener's interpretation as to which one that they want to latch on to as to the reason why or how that came to be. Some other fun and interesting things to to know about the man Jasper Newton himself is uh, that he never actually married, nor did he have any known children. He did, however, take his nephews under his wing, one who was Lemuel, or known as Lem, Motlau, uh, a son of Daniel's sister, Fanetta, uh, who was skilled with numbers, and he soon took responsibility for the distillery's bookkeeping. But like I said a few moments ago, uh, when it comes to lineage employees, or or um, what would it be in a fraternity? Uh, legacy. Legacy. Legacy employee uh, would be in the Green family, and nearest Green's family, like I said, who has, since its inception, had a member of the Green family on the payroll there within the distillery. Um, in his failing health, uh, Jack Daniel gave the distillery to Lem Motlau and another nephew in 1907. And uh, Motlau did wind up buying out his uh, partner and cousin and went on to operate the distillery for about 40 years. Then in 1910, Tennessee passed a statewide prohibition law and effectively barring the legal distillation of Jack Daniels within the state. Uh, Motlau challenged the law in a test case that eventually worked its way into the Tennessee Supreme Court, and the court upheld the law as constitutional. So, yeah, they had a lot of stuff that they had to battle going into Prohibition and everything else in producing, but... One of the things that we thoroughly enjoy about whiskey and about bourbon is the fact that it is aged in oak barrels. Mm -hmm. And if you can't do anything with it, you got to let it Store sit. It. They're going to wind up storing it. And that's what they did for a majority of their product during that time. Now, I'm not going to 
to sit here and and firmly believe that at some point in time there was not some you know air quote black market sales yes. going on you know some behind the scenes stuff that was coming out of Lynchburg potentially um, throughout those times but I, I firmly believe that that there was still some money being made somehow yeah. otherwise you know we Jack Daniels would have just completely caved in during that time if there wasn't now the rebirth of the brand was also probably one of the major beginnings of ad based or alcohol based ads okay just because you had people like Frank Sinatra you had yes you had Elvis Presley you had coming up Johnny Cash you had when I drink you know all these people yeah who whenever you saw them on stage or whenever you saw them at an after party whenever they were doing interviews for magazines whatever the case may be that's what they were drinking or that's what their choice was was Jack Daniels at that time Sinatra himself went on to call it at one point in time the nectar of the gods and said bury me with a bottle of Jack Daniels it was it was sheer celebrity star power that put it back onto the map as it were wow and um, nowadays I think that it uh I think we talked a little bit uh recently when we were talking about uh doing this episode is that you know back then it was considered this very exquisite thing because there really wasn't a lot like it around still and there were celebrities drinking it and uh high profile people drinking it and by name Jack Daniels but if I were to say Jack Daniels today to a crowd they would immediately think tailgating at a at a football game in the an South, SEC football an game, SEC yeah. football game, Jack and Coke, or or you know getting rowdy with the the guys before they go hunting or fishing, or so it's kind of went from this with the modernization of drinking. It started regional, went worldwide, and is now back regional. Mm-hmm. Because now you have oh I don't have I don't drink Jack I drink Evan Williams but or Jim Bean but that's just in the United States yeah. if you look in other countries it's not perceived that way in other countries it's still viewed as one of the elite spirits that you can get out of the United States but now I mean we do have some others that are mm-hmm. purchased uh, from within the United States that are of a perceived higher value or a quote-unquote better product um, but a majority of Jack Daniel sales are done out of duty-free shops it's something that has a great price on it with a great flavor that people can buy mass quantities of and not feel bad about having spent that much money on something like that so but Jack Daniels has, of course, grown far beyond just the actual stuff that's in the bottle. Yeah. With sponsorships on race cars, uh, different sports teams, racing teams, 
you've got just retail clothing or just retail item shops. I mean, because that iconic label has been put on so many different things that it's it's not uncommon to to honestly go a day without seeing it in some capacity yeah. somewhere. Um, I mean, unless you're just a complete homebody, but you know what I mean? It's Even then, these days you'll see it on a, a streaming service or show you're watching on TV, you'll see, oh, the brand new pre-mixed cold Jack and Coke. Get it at and, and grocery stores near you. And that's something else is that company has been pioneering for so long that they've, you know, pioneered their own hard seltzers, their own wine coolers, wine coolers, their own, you know, it has expanded so far beyond the original just sugar maple charcoal filtered Tennessee whiskey to to becoming so many things and you've got so many variations off of that original. Heck, I'm I would would be willing to put money on some of those barrels that were stored during prohibition still exist in storage somewhere on one of the the Jack Daniels properties. Now, of course, there it is a situation now to where no one in the Daniel family or that would have been part of the Daniel family actually owns wow. the Jack Daniel distillery at this point. Um, it is actually now owned uh, and is listed as a subsidiary of the Brown Foreman Corporation, but still operates out of Lynchburg, Tennessee, currently, of course, over 155 years old. And if you did not know, very similarly to... Sevier County here, Lynchburg, of course, is a dry county, mm-hmm. so you technically cannot buy any of the stuff that is made there in Lynchburg. Mm-hmm. However, with how our stuff is set up, we can only sell the what stuff we that we make. So, kind of a funny little... Uh, um, that is very interesting, and I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you that that business... Those moguls that now own Jack Daniels have a very strong voice on keeping that place a dry county. So that nobody can... Because, I mean, imagine if you're Lynchburg and you're Jack Daniels in Lynchburg and you own this thing. If they get liquor by the drink and it becomes even a damp county... Right. ...that they could buy something other than Jack Daniels at a liquor store five minutes down the road from you? Well, that's the thing is... They, they wouldn't want that. They can't even sell anything from inside the distillery. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I, I mean, can guarantee you Jack Daniels Corporation is very much like, oh, we don't mind if this stays a dry county. Right. Because at least this is... Our distribution's fantastic. Yes, we don't have any home sales because we can't. Right. But neither does our competition. There you go. But you do have some other ones that have been spinoffs of what would be the Jack Daniels Distillery. And that just being, like I said, some of the other uh, spinoff spirits. You know, you mm. get your uh, things like Evan Williams, things like that, that, that spin off as a part of it. Looking at the business as it stands now, average yearly income... $121,700,000 a year. 
production right now sits at 16.1 million cases or the equivalent of 38,300,000 US gallons of product every year. Jasper over 150 years ago made a $75 investment decision at the time. Yes. And now his nickname is on a company that makes billions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, $121 million. $121.7 million a year. Off of a, a transaction that more than likely was made so this... So Uncle Nearest could have a business... Mm-hmm. That more than likely, and I know they wouldn't have said it, but so this white boy mm-hmm. could could go be the face of this, so I could have this business, yeah. and it turn into. But like I said, at least hey, an empire. Uh, his his family is still. That's yeah. See, I think that's really cool. That I would imagine it's because it was like included in like a a charter or something. And there's there is so much more that that can be said or that that we could get into about Jack Daniels. Um, the fact that the the brand was originally a higher proof and got lowered to eighty wow. to to get into the main marketed um, market, as it were, that it is now. Um, the the sales and brand value status the different like I said I just lightly mentioned the sponsorships uh, all the different labels that you can get into all the different products um, but the man himself um, and this is one uh, and probably what we're going to end the show on is that he died in 1911 do you want to else the year 1911 is mostly famous for uh was there a fire you're close firearms colt firearms the colt 1911 yes one of the first uh dual safety pistol systems you have to actually have the uh grip on the handle itself is Uh a safety and then you have the actual push button safety that would typically be on a firearm okay so yeah one of the first dual safety systems on a firearm uh, the Colt 1911 but Jack Daniel Jasper Newton Jack Daniel died in 1911 from blood poisoning Uh, it's an often told tale uh, is that the infection began in one of his toes which he injured one early morning at work by kicking his safe in anger because he could not get it open so, so because of the lack of medicine at that point in time, he got pissed off. A stubbed toe killed him. Yes, he got killed stubbing his toe. Ah. It's a shame. It is. But, of course, like I said, I mean, all these different things putting into fact that you now have one of the most recognizable bottles, flavors, just it's it's transcended time and, and everything from its inception so another place where the volunteer state can say you're welcome planet earth 
<laughs> there you go. And that is going to be, you know, getting more into it because we have had some episodes jump around in the ever-growing and evolving process of honing in the Between Two Barrels show. This is one that that really does, you know, get back to the the Davy Crockett. And yeah. Thank, thank you, or you're welcome, Texas. You're welcome. Uh, in this aspect, definitely a, a thank you to the... Or you're welcome to the rest of the world. Uh, yes, for, for Jack Daniels. For Jack Daniels. For Jasper Newton's... Uh, I guess I guess you could call it not necessarily a, a or pioneer in in partnership businesses. And I highly, highly, highly recommend if you have never come to Lynchburg and done the tour and making your own bottle and all that stuff. I think it's worth it. Well, if it's anything like the making your own goo goo cluster over at the Goo Goo in Nashville. <laughs> Uh, I'm all for it. <laughs> um, they they duped me out of thirty dollars real quick for two candy bars. So, <laughs> I, I'd 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 be fairly willing to to go make my own private oh, label yeah. bottle of Jack Daniels. So, but legends, we definitely thank you for joining us on another episode. Opie, you want to take us home? Absolutely. Thank you all. Do not forget to take a look at the ever-changing ever-evolving studio 66 website all of those links are in the show notes below don't forget to follow us like us subscribe share leave a review on this episode stay kind to yourself stay kind to others and as always legends cheers to you thanks for listening to another episode of between two barrels We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information about what's happening with any of the Studio 66 shows, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, click the thumbs up, whatever you have to do to make sure you get your fill of this legendary content. To do so, search Studio 66 on Facebook or Instagram, or the Studio 66 playlist on YouTube from Tennessee Legend Distillery. You can also subscribe to our Patreon channel, patreon.com slash tldstudio66, for additional content for all of the Studio 66 shows, as well as gifts from the different Studio 66 podcasts and Tennessee Legend Distillery. And if that wasn't enough, you can also visit our website, tldstudio66.com, where you can find links to all of the shows and podcasts, as well as merchandise for all of the individual podcasts, And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. Heck, you can even leave us a voicemail if you like via SpeakPipe or send us an email at tldtube23 at gmail.com. However you go about it, make sure you don't miss out on getting even more legendary info about the studio as well as the distillery from Studio 66, presented by Tennessee Legend Distillery.